This NBA season, make every three-pointer, alley-oop, and buzzer beater even more exciting with FanDuel. You can bet on everything from first baskets and number of dunks to which player will drain the most threes. Or stack your bets with the same-game parlay for a shot to win even bigger. It's quick, easy, and you'll get your winnings fast. So download the app today and see why we're North America's number one sportsbook. Make every moment more with FanDuel. 19 plus and physically located in Ontario. Gambling problem? Call 1-866-531-2600 or visit connectsontario.ca. Don't look now, Kyle Brickman, but the Toronto Raptors are coming at you hard and fast, baby. Let's go. Woo! Yeah, we got a series. We definitely have a series. Oh Look, I know goodness. only only a couple people have come back from 3-1. No one's come back from 3-0. I know a whole lot of people coming back from 3-2. I've seen Dude. 3-2 before many a time. This, this series has just started all over. We, got, we just need two games. We have – this is just – it fits exactly how I I foresaw part of the series going, which is that like if if we could get that that grain of doubt just like dribbled into Joel Embiid's eardrum and fall down into his brain, and it would just start wearing away, start you know um, just digging into his brain, and all of a sudden, same with James Harden, and all of a sudden you can see it. He just he's suddenly tired. He's not focused. He's dejected. And Harden's not going to step up. And then after that, you know, you can't expect this much from Tyrese Maxey. Like he's he's done, he's surpassed expectations. He's a, a second year player. You can't expect him to be the guy that's going to pull. He, he doesn't even, you know, like I don't even think he wants to be the guy necessarily or feels comfortable being the guy to pull this team to victory. So if those two dudes can't get their act together, they're in a hell of a lot of trouble. Yeah, like in general, if I'm a Sixers fan, and this is part of the reason why I picked the Raptors in seven, is that like that Philly home court advantage is not as strong as some people think. Like those those fans are relentless. Those those people are, uh, you know, can sway the game in favor of the Sixers. But on nights like tonight, where like the majority of the night after the Raptors went up ten, which they were up ten for at least like half the game, type thing. The, the crowd was either dead silent or booing the Sixers. I think the crowd was, you know, actually more beneficial to the Raptors tonight than it, it was the Sixers. So, I don't know. This home court advantage thing is interesting. In general, Embiid looks hurt. He looks like he doesn't want to take uh, post touches as much. And he also looks incredibly frustrated, both mentally and with his physical condition. So, I mean, oof. if I'm a Sixers fan, man, I got it. Like, I'm feeling a little tight right now. So I just want to quickly address the Philly fan thing. I think it's utterly garbage that somehow they get this like the the oh it's the Philly fans like they're excused for being toxic. It's like no, you know if everybody decided that it, it wasn't this laughable matter that Philly fans are fickle that they're willing to sell out anybody on any team at any moment. Like if we all took a stand and decided this is just I mean that's what popular culture is. If we all decide one thing on one issue. We can sway it. So enough of this, like, haha, Phillies, you know, they're tough guys. They love the guys they love. They hate the guys they hate. Like, now, if you're a fan, you're 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 with them through thick and thin. And Alvin and Devlin said it on the on the broadcast, they're like, you know, Raptor fans would never do this. And Raptor fans would cry with Scotty at the end of the series if we got eliminated. Like, well, except for the guys that come on this chat and want to trade Pascal. But besides them, you know, we're we're faithful fans. And I, I just think it's it's 
BS that they get excused for this. Like, I want to see Stephen A. Smith rip into them. And as also as an aside, if you want to see someone really rip into Philly fans, go watch Bill Burr on YouTube. I think we talked about this already, but that yeah, really just that is second Bill Burr Philly reference of that the series. One right more there. coming for sure after the Raptors win Game Seven in similar fashion. Okay, so okay, should we get up. into the actual game? Yeah. Um, I, I guess the biggest storyline tonight was the Raptors came in with as eight point underdogs. They had no Fred Van Vliet, who was their only All Star. Uh, you know, the, the guy who carried them for stretches this year, and ended up winning. You know, with Doc Rivers pulling his starters with two minutes left of the game, half the arena was empty. Two minutes left, it wasn't particularly close the entire second half, with you know the exception of a couple moments as the Raptors let the Sixers hang around. So, what happened? Well. I mean, first of all, the thing that jumps off the page is the Sixers scored 88 points, which is ridiculous. So well, I guess we should start there. The defense. What did you see tonight defensively that in either impressed you or was different from uh, maybe not necessarily game four, but the, the games the Raptors lost? I, I have said it all along. The, the, if this team's defense and if th- this team's individual skill sets – hit their peak of powers all at once. They are a Easter, an elite Eastern Conference team. Now, they haven't really done that at, with any rate of consistency because of injury, because of, because of illness, because of youth, whatever, whatever, whatever. You saw it tonight. Time after time, possession after possession, our rotations were spot on. We were challenging. I mean, it, it, again, it helps when guys are missing shots. And, like, you know, you're getting Tybal who's, like, who missed a couple, and then he looks scared. He just straight up looks scared to be there. And then you have Danny Green missing a couple, and he's, you know, if if he's hitting, if he hits one or two or more of those, like, who knows? But ultimately, we're running them off the line. They're running into our second line of defense, which is long and and imposing. And, and unfortunately, I'm sorry to say, like, removing Fred Van Vliet from this team has enabled us to field uh, seven or eight, eight long dudes that can rotate one through five. There was one possession where uh, Philly ran, I think, two or three screens, and the third one or the second one, Thaddeus Young ended up on Harden. And it's like, okay, like I'm not worried about that. And I think as soon as they had Thaddeus, they figured out Thaddeus Young was better at the five than Birch. Like, game over, man. We have People were saying this about Boston, but they have one through five who can rotate onto anybody and we have the same thing and and once we coordinated our defense and everybody was in in line like it's an impenetrable impenetrable net yeah like i first of all agree with everything you said there were a couple times where philly was basically setting up like you know a double drag screen uh the the top and and are just giving up. They're barely running off of the screens. The ball handlers barely trying to like explode off the screen. Cause it's like, there's not even the point in getting like trying to hunt switches anymore, especially that closing lineup of uh, Barnes, OG, Siakam, Gary, and precious to me, that's got to be the closing lineup for the rest of the series, regardless of Fred is healthy or not. I think those are the five best, the five players that make the most sense. The other thing is that th- this lineup, this team in general Um, has been 
thriving on forcing turnovers all year. Tonight they forced 15. And not only did they force 15 turnovers and run off those turnovers, they're running off makes. They were just running. They were just getting in transition early. They were they're tiring out Joel Embiid. And I think it it paid off both because the Raptors were scoring off of those breaks, but also because Embiid looked frankly exhausted and he, he didn't he had a bad night. I mean like by his day, okay, well, whatever. Twenty eleven rebounds and four <laughs> assists is like still a, a tremendous night, but by Embiid standards, a bad night. And a lot of that is the Raptors were running, and the another part of this is that they were long as hell, and they were basically suffocating Embiid. The the other thing I want to mention, I think you tweeted it, dude. Harden and Thibel are not shooting, uh, and it's actually kind of like ridiculous. Harden will not shoot off of driving kicks. Thibel won't shoot. Period. There, he's like they're trying to run uh, sets with Embiid at the elbow, and Thibel is in like the the player making the um, the entry pass, and Thibel won't. They're like the the Thibel's defender is fully turning his back and facing Joel Embiid, yeah. completely giving up on Thibel, and Thibel refuses to shoot. So so much so that I. It was funny to me. He checked in the game with those five other substitutes with two minutes left when when Doc threw in the towel. Like he was, you know, he's in theory one of their five best players. And Doc basically had him out there in garbage time, like, "Hey, dude, get your minutes now because you're not going to play next game." And frankly, like anyone else in the bench, we might actually need. So, Thibault's had a, you know, he's frankly collapsed big time uh, in this series. Like, you know more so than I ever expected it. I actually don't even think they'll miss him in Toronto to reach that point. I I mean, I talked about... Let him they, come to Toronto. Let him, I'm fine. Bring Thibault yes. to Toronto. Who cares? Yeah, get him back. Throw him in there. Get him back. Change the rules. I don't True. care. Philly might have to pull out Isaiah Joe because they need somebody to just hit open shots. But... Yeah, I mean, I said, I said um, in the Raptors review that roundtable that I think one of the regrets I have for this team is not trying out different starting lineups and starting guys like Gary or even Fred off the bench. And I like, I know it's like kind of blasphemy to say Freddie off the bench, but like there was a moment in the second quarter where like we were starting to fall apart. I think it was when. Um, what happened? Uh, I know all I remember is that uh, Boucher took the charge to kind of like save the moment. Yeah. Nurse took a really good timeout in the middle of the second uh, when the Sixers cut the lead to like four or six, and they came. The Raptors came right back out and had two straight possessions, made it double digits again. Was was that, that was following the, the ball? Yeah, the, uh, yeah. Okay, precious, tremendous game. One of the most selfish rebound, like stat chasing moves I think I've ever seen. Twice. Like grabbing that twice. rebound out of Scotty's hands and basically scoring on his own basket. I, I'm, yeah. I feel almost bad that this is the first thing we mentioned of Precious because he had a tremendous night. But man, was that, that was that. like I was yelling. But my uh, my point was that just like the, with the Freddie thing, it's just like you know those are the moments where I really felt like we missed Freddie Pascal early on. True, too was having trouble with Tybal at the top of the zone, like he couldn't po- he couldn't wing entry or high post entry. So there was you know. Having Freddie there to kind of stabilize, I've really felt like we missed um, his presence. And coming off the bench and playing those 12, 15 minutes would have been great, but whatever. But having Scotty Barnes like directing traffic and changing tempo and man, the ability for him to receive the ball and release the ball within like a micro fraction yeah. of a second he, is so much different than how Freddie operates as a, as a lead guard. Yeah. The, like the thing with Scott is that he's 
like selfish uh, or he's sorry, selfless to a fault at times, which is very frustrating. But I, I never have a doubt in my mind that he's going to make the extra pass. I think he oftentimes makes one too many passes and that's arguably his biggest flaw on the offensive end. But tonight, like you can just, the ball is just moving differently when you have Scotty as the lead guard. It just is like, and, and the on off numbers will support that. The, the the Raptors had 24 assists tonight. Like they they were, uh, you know, not necessarily again not a tremendous shooting night, but the offense just worked. They shot 25 percent from three. They shot whatever 20 percent from three the other night. They're winning games. It's incredible. Yeah. So uh, there's something there's something to be said about. And listen, this isn't like a healthy Fred is undoubtedly a tremendous player at the moment. He's injured. So it's what can we even say? Well, and. At the same time, and we talk about this throughout the year, like room for usage, you know, like there's just there's too many guys on the court that are trying to get there is at different points and different times. And that's kind of spread out. First, we saw OG the first four possessions. He had two assists and two buckets and a steal like OG was creating for everybody and himself. And then, you know, you have Pascal doing his thing kind of throughout. Gary cooks a little bit. Precious starts cooking. Scotty gets his thing going like there's just a lot more balance on the offensive end for guys who are more willing to play make like Freddie's a scorer through and through he's gotten a little bit better at passing I don't want to keep harping on Freddie but it's just an interesting contrast to see how our offense functioned today versus with Freddie on the floor um and different guys stepped up and it was just it, it like it looked there was more flow to it and f- as well for all you Pascal haters out there Pascal hit some big time, tough shots, like long contested two pointers, the type of buckets you need to hit in the playoffs because nothing else is going. Defense isn't moving. Uh, Everybody else is kind of like, you know, stuck in the moment and Pascal stepped up and once again, hit some big shots. Yeah. Can I just say like, before we move on from Fred, uh, because I don't want to belabor this, but this is just this team, this Sixers team, is not a good matchup for Fred. In 2019, uh, after the Sixers series, which Fred was like, <laughs> he's like had one of the worst series of a, of a rotation player I can in recent memory was Fred against the Sixers, um, and then obviously exploded at the latter half of the Milwaukee series, and then the finals, and they won a championship, but. Like he was really bad against the Sixers, enough so that people were considering, like, does this dude even deserve a roster spot next year? Does he deserve this extension he's going to get, et cetera, et cetera? And he, um, that you know, he's evolved as a player, but it's fine to just admit, like, this isn't a great matchup for him. He's not the type of he's not. Fred is a tremendous player, but there are very few dudes in the NBA who are like matchup proof meaning that there are zero yeah. bad matchups for them. Like, you know, there's like LeBron, it, it, you would never say of LeBron, like this is a bad matchup for LeBron. It's LeBron. Freddie is not that type of player. There are bad matchups versus for Fred. Like some of those being the Sixers where they basically like are way too, too big for him. And they have a bunch of dudes who like, they have no one who that, you know, Fred can necessarily hide on because even like the Tobias Harris's of the world, the, the Maxis, et cetera, can all go get a bucket or shoot the ball. It's, it's just not a good matchup for him. Yeah. Agreed. And I've always said Freddie off ball is the best type of Freddie and healthy. Freddie can handle these matchups. He's just not healthy. Maxie was cooking him time and again. And I think that was another part of, that part that was another part of this defense is I I liked our matchups. I didn't love Scotty on Harden. I think I would have preferred to see him on Danny Green, but um, 
um, Blake Blake was saying on Twitter that like oh, um, keeping Scotty on Harden enables a switch onto Embiid if there's a Harden uh, Embiid pick and roll. So I get that, but Harden was getting was kind of having his way with Scotty. I loved OG on Maxi. That really caused him problems. And you see this often. We saw it with Demar Derozan a lot. Stronger, longer guys give these kinds of combo guards a lot of problems. And if you can't, uh, you know, get around them because they're too strong and they're laterally just quick enough and they're long enough to challenge your pull up, they feel very uncomfortable. And you saw that tonight, it, especially when the Sixers are so committed to Embiid. Uh, you know, it's it's really easy to go. OG on Maxi because it's like that any sort of impede Maxi action, whether it's a dribble handoff, whether it's a pick and roll, the Raptors can just switch because OG, although he's a wing or whatever, like a forward, can do a decent job at least holding off impede for the, the tiniest amount of time. So uh, like great for him. Um, we should get into maybe Taxman, which is a good, uh, a good segue to maybe talk about the dude who we maybe should have mentioned off top. Which is Pascal, who it is, I would say, likely his first excellent game of the series. Uh, I don't know. Oh, what about yesterday? Or uh, two days yeah, ago? No, you're right. You are right. No, it's his second excellent game of the series. Um, although I should have said his first tax man of the series because we, of course, gave it to that young, being like the weird hipster that we are. <laughs> Pascal was uh, three for five in the fourth quarter. So. All you, uh, everybody who said he couldn't, he wasn't clutch. He he pulled through when he needed to, and once again, his defense was like top top. You know, he just he he's everywhere they need him to be on all possessions, whether it's Embiid or whether it's Maxi. Um, and uh, Pascal finished uh, one second ten for fifteen. I want to say ten for seventeen. Two for four from three, which is always a welcome sign. Only two free throw attempts, which is different from last week. But again, he was hitting, or last game, but he was hitting his mid-ranger today. Ten boards, seven assists, two turnovers, a weird sloppy one. I think both turnovers were maybe in the first quarter, first half. The A little sloppy, uh, but otherwise a great game. And what you need from your lead player, you know, and especially when other guys were thriving. I. Yeah. I want to shout out Precious, though. Can we shout out Precious? I was actually just going there. I, I thought that Precious... Dude, what he's doing to Embiid in space is unbelievable. It's it's He's, for whatever reason, the most effective Raptor at attacking Joel Embiid in space, which is kind of crazy when you think about it. Like, the fact that like, he was almost a meme, essentially, to us <laughs> like so uh, earlier in the year. So, I mean, all credit to Precious. Uh, one incredibly bone, one or maybe two incredibly boneheaded plays, followed up by like yeah. 12 ridiculous moments of genius. And by the way, post-game interview uh, re- gave a really great interview. See, seemed like a really intelligent dude who like actually uh, made it. A lot of guys don't make like any effort to answer the questions intelligently beyond like we were aggressive and we tried hard, like Precious actually, um, you could tell he's a smart guy in his post game interview. So I, I, you know, I think it's, that's worth checking out if you haven't already. It was, it was a quintessential Precious Achua game, like for like to represent his entire season, right? Like that stupid rebound with, with Scotty Barnes, um, you know, like the random pull up three in transition. And, but then also these like 
isolation moves where he's like pivoting around Embiid and like finishing in traffic and then Dean him up like we're seeing here and taking the charge. Like he he is grow he's growing before our very eyes and you get those frustrating moments, but ultimately he's becoming our three B best player. I don't know. Like it's he he I think so many times in the season when Precious is a big game, it tips the scales in our favor. Like he really is the X factor in so many ways. Um, and this is just another night. And you could, you saw it for a moment there. I think Nurse picked up on Embiid being tired because Precious went out of him multiple times in a row. And then he also was in foul trouble. That's the other element of it. Like, true. Those true. those possessions also coincided with like Embiid being in pretty serious foul trouble and unable to defend. Um, and then Gary went at him too and had a shitty possession, but like they, the, you know, I think they just saw, um, a crack in the armor, you know? And, and I think that's where I can, I feel really confident coming off this game is like the, the Embiid and Harden have a lot to prove going into game six. And they've always had a lot. Harden was the main guy in the NBA playoffs who had a lot to prove. But now Embiid's moving up that list because he talked a lot of smack for the last two games. He he lived, he like indulged the drama. You know, he let his arrogance shine. And now it's it's kind of backfiring. And I you can almost tell he realized that, okay, like I gotta get in the trenches now. I gotta, I gotta battle because, you know, all of this bravado and stuff, like it's it's starting to, you know, the chickens are coming home to roost. Um and so I think I'm my point is, is I think nurse picked up on that and like they wanted to hammer it at him like, OK, like you're no longer this big defensive stalwart that that you think you are. Yeah, he he can't do as much as is being asked. And on other nights like, you know, Tobias Harris had a like a pretty awful night tonight and he was really the dude, you know, carrying the some of those units without Embiid. For a while and Harris has always to me been like, you know, you know, you're like playing pickup and you know, you're playing like one on ones before like the actual game starts and he like knows all the angles and he knows how to like bump you and get to the rim and you're like, oh man, this this dude's awesome. And you start playing with him on your team and he's like pulling these random 40 footers and he's like losing guys on back cuts. You're like, dude, what the hell happened? You were so good one on one. What's the hell's going on? Like, he's he just like, he's so skilled, he just can't put it together for whatever reason. And you know, maybe I'm not sure if the other games are necessarily flukes because it, some of it is just shooting variants. The other part of it is that I think Pascal um, was really cooking him tonight offensively, really making him work. Uh, on, and that that actually got to him big time. He looked tired. All those sixers looked tired. And yeah, they did big, look tired. Um, it's a it's a big switch from earlier in the season or the series, I should say, when the Raptors were the team constantly with their hands on their knees, panting, et cetera, et cetera. They got, they got the Sixers working now, and that's that's a good recipe for them. They, I, the only reason why uh, uh, Tobias was staying in front of Pascal was because he was hand-checking him the entire time. Mm-hmm. Like He just kept grabbing him, and he played pretty good defense. But if you think about it, like we, we, and we I think we kind of went away from this, but and remind me to do the taxman read in a second, but Philly Philly's a superficial team. In personality, but also in like in roster. I mean, if you if if Harden and Embiid are tired and Maxi's kind of checked out, and Toby's hitting shots or not, like there's nobody left. And I think that's another part of 
Uh, <laughs> can we say Philly is super Philly-ishal? Um, and that's the part of this that I think is also understated is, is that we have eight athletes that can definitely go, thank you, that can go seven games strong and probably not be tired. I think Pascal will get a little tired, but but our dudes are athletes and they're ready to roll. And I think game six, God will engage game seven. The Philly is going to start feeling the burn on this and we will be handing a gift to Miami because if Philly gets past us and goes to Miami, like they are just going to run them off the floor. I think, I don't think they can handle the endurance of these games. Yeah. Look, I don't want to get ahead of ourselves here, but like, you know, game six in Toronto, I don't, who knows what the line will be. Who knows if Fred will be back, but Raptors have been playing well. And then you got, if they win that game seven back in Philadelphia, a lot of anxious. I, I think Bill Simmons has spoken about this before, but it's like they, they so people so overrate the advantage of a home crowd in game sevens. Like, man, there's, there's a lot of anxiety in those games. It's not always positive. It, you know, like a lot of teams, especially mentally tough teams, like the Raptors, the guys with, you know, teams with a bunch of dogs, like who feed off of that negative energy, you know, the building gets quiet. The Raptors go on a big run. You do, you're kind of wishing you didn't have home court advantage in the game seven. So I, I don't know. We'll see what happens. Um, guys, okay, Taxman. Uh, yeah, I was going to say we have to do it eventually. I I would probably go. I would probably go Pascal because he deserved yeah, we'll, it last night. He, he deserves tonight. I know Precious had a terrific night, but he he, had, he scored in his own net. And uh, you know we have to have some boundaries here. I will happily give it to Pascal Siakam once again. He has. <laughs> taking the responsibility um, upon his shoulders to to carry this team and carry the offensive load. And guys are filling in nicely. Um, congratulations, Pascal Siakam. You are the Can-Am tax man of the night. Um, Canamtax.com, our faithful ho- uh, sponsor with VJ Verma, keep, keeping, it, keeping it real for the Raptors Republic. Aiden Moss is still on, uh, hasn't done his taxes countdown. So like, stay tuned. Uh, <laughs> but yeah, if you need for your uh, small businesses, personal taxes, go check out canamtax.com. Faithful fan of the Raptors Republic of the Toronto Raptors. Help out the small businesses out there. Avoid H&R Block like the plague. Congratulations, Pascal Siakam, for the Can-Am tax man of the night. Great. Excellent. That was like the read of the year. We should start giving out that award read of the year. And I'm, I'm giving it to you for that one. Let's do a little cu- couple quick questions here. And then, uh, you know, we, eventually we got to go, maybe not this, you know, who knows what time, but we can get into questions now. Um, did I see, uh, <laughs> that was such a bad joke. I like <laughs> it. I'm, not I'm even so gonna, here for it. Yeah. I'm going to take it off for a second and I'm going to leave it here. Yeah. I like, this is actually a good opportunity to talk about Paul Reed. Why not? Um, Paul Reed was tonight a minus 11. He, yeah, he had a tough one. got cooked so much so that in the fourth quarter, the beginning of the fourth quarter, when doc was crucially trying to buy and bead a little tiny, couple seconds a couple winks of sleep as it were some little bit of rest on the bench couldn't do it it only lasted two minutes the Raptors went on a a nice little run there and he you know Reed seems like a good good dude decent player it's not going to work against the Raptors they and the Sixers know this um 
So we'll see. Like Embiid, had Embiid been able to rest for three or four or perhaps five minutes in that fourth quarter, you know, check back in at the the seven or eight minute mark, I actually think that the Sixers would have had a good time, good chance to win this game because they, um, you know, they were just hanging around between that eight point to twelve point range. You know, they they could have got hot and won the game, and they just, you know, Joel was just a little too tired. So Paul Reed, oof, good luck with that. Our bench had 26 points. I'm just trying to do the math on Phillies. It looks like Paul Reed had three. Tybal had two. Also, Paul Reed took a tech. I got it. That's another. Uh... Yeah, true. Niang had three and Korkmaz had three. Who cares? Um, our bench is decidedly the be- the better bench in this series. And again, with this like eight, eight lineup this eight lineup like long dude thing we got going on. It doesn't really even feel like we, we let down on the offensive end when even Pascal sitting. And again, like men to all you haters out there, like Gary had the flu for two, for two games. Scotty sprained his ankle. Like we at full strength are, are a better team than this Philadelphia team. And that's because when Pascal sits, Scotty and OG can take over. And they did that tonight. If Gary's hitting, if Gary's playing, even defensively, he had a lot of deflections tonight. He was much more disciplined than he's been in the past. Like, I think we are the better equipped team um, than Philly altogether. No, uh, I can't remember the dude's name. There's no, the, uh, the Philly fan is not in the chat tonight. He's missing. So who knows? Um, Zerar, do you want to come in? You want we got Zarrar here waiting in the the wings. I can't pump the brakes. What am I pumping the brakes on? <laughs> There's nothing to pump the brakes on. We are the we are going we we might lose this series, but we are still decidedly the better team. There's no question. Zarrar, am I right or am I right? Uh you know, I'm still shook from game three. I really think yeah, we should have won have been, that freaking this could have been game. A completely and what, different what a different scenario. series this might have been if, yeah. if if that would have gone in. But but let's 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 not worry about that. Uh, I don't know if you guys have talked about this already. And uh, have you guys talked about Siakam yet? Yeah. Not as much we're as minute, we we're can. We're in minute 30, but yeah, we, we, we okay. have gotten into okay. a little bit more. That third quarter, that third quarter where he was hunting down pretty much everybody in one-on-one matchups and got, you know, got past the first line of defense, negotiated the second one, and swung out pretty much effectively to everybody on the perimeter – that's the Siakam that that wins us games, right? And I don't know how much this had to do with because one of the things. See, I, I was doing the quick reaction for the site for the first three games and was miserable at the end of each one of those games. And one one of, one of my complaints was that uh, the Raptors are not really doing the things that they did the entire regular season, which is running the ball through Pascal Siakam playing point forward. As soon as Freddie came in. For, for whatever reason, Freddie dominated the ball in the postseason way more than he did in the regular season, which which didn't make any sense. And the results sort of showed. And I think today Pascal played with a little bit more freedom and took some initiative in taking his guys guys on and passing it up. And one more point while I'm rambling. Our double teaming. I got to Our for double this. teaming was amazing. Like how effectively we double teamed, where we came from, how quickly we recovered, flawless. And notice that it wasn't the same double team every time. Sometimes it was OG coming from the weak side. Sometimes the double came from the strong side. 
So different looks thrown at Embiid and Philly, and you know, kudos to Nick Nurse for for really coaching the shit out of this game. Yeah. Hey, watch the vulgarities, Rar. Come on. Oh yeah. Oh sorry. Yes, yeah, on the podcast. <laughs> um. Yeah, I we we talked about this earlier. Like our scrambling was in like fine fine form tonight, and it was just like there was very very little space for these guys to operate. And again, when when Tybal's afraid to throw the ball towards the direction of the rim, and when Danny's like, I mean, Danny had a pretty good shooting game, but when when those threes aren't falling, like our double like our timing on our double teams and the risks we're taking. Uh, are really paying off, and the only times it's it's not is when Embiid actually gets his, gets his ass like under the rim, and then we're kind of hooped. Yeah. But but you know we fix that for the most part. And, and he only gets under the rim. I, I know in the in, in I don't know if Kyle if you noticed this, but uh, they, they, there was a period in this game where Philly made an effort to get deep post position early in the clock. Mm-hmm. That that was scary yeah. because yeah, if, they, if they go to that thing more often, the Raptors don't really have a great answer because Precious, as great as he is, can't really defend in tight quarters that close to the rim. But other than those possessions where Embiid got deep post position, Philly really did not hit. Their, their three-pointers were challenged. Uh, they missed they, they missed some open looks in, in, in the third quarter, but the Raptors missed way more open looks in the third quarter. Yeah, we were we were talking. Uh, Aiden, do you want to do you want to say your goodbye? No, you go ahead. No, no, say your goodbyes. Say your goodbyes, please. Are you sticking around? Yeah, I'm sticking around for a sec. Okay. Yeah, we were talking earlier. Like, it's not like this is a fluky game. Same with uh same with game four. Like the Raptors shot 25% from three. This isn't like a this isn't a total fluke. This is a a, a win that's born out of there's a tremendous defensive effort. And um people are pointing out in the comments. I do think that a lot of this is with not having Fred on the floor, frankly. And that's not a knock on Fred. He's injured at the moment. He's not the player he should be. But um, these lineups that the Raptors are playing, where it's like the full realization of the concept that they've been going for all year, like this crazy 6-9 switchable long concept, These those cannot be fully realized without um, – you know, five switchable guys. And the, the Sixers were, you know, taking full advantage of, of having Fred out there. So, Aiden, like, what are your final thoughts in the game before you head out? Would you agree that this team is, do you think that the closing lineup tonight, like not not the, you know, not the uh, the lineup that actually closed the game, but, you know, ended the game for all intents and purposes, the Siakam, Ananobi, Barnes, Trent, Achua lineup, is that our best five for the rest yeah. of the series? No, unquestionably. And sometimes with Thad too. I think like I, I think we're winning. There. We're winning this series. I I bet it. I bet it when the Raptors were down three nothing. I believed like Zarar said, we won. We should have won game three. Game four was like basically a route. Game five was a route. Like we were coming for them, and they know it. And there's no reason to believe that Harden has the gumption to fight back. And for and I. I don't really believe in Embiid's ability to fight back either. Philly's going to have to get really hot from three, or they're going to have to get like a fifty pointer from from Embiid to like really capitalize on this game or on this series. Now I got to roll because I have a basketball game. But first, I wanted to shout out our fans because somebody complained about my audio, which I appreciate because I have like headphones that I'm using from like ones that I've ran in the laundry a thousand times. So Zarar and I went out of our way to get me a real mic. 
So shout out to the fans who care about us. We're listening and we're reading your comments. Now I've got real tech. Next thing, everybody complain about the color on my screen and maybe I'll get a new <laughs> laptop from Raptors Republic too. So yeah, don't encourage people to be critical in the comments. Are you are you in a Wes Anderson movie right now? That's what it feels like. like. I feel like I yeah, I feel like I'm on mushrooms right now. You're but in Budapest uh, Hotel, Hotel Buddha, whatever that movie was. That's what he looks like. I gotta go hoop. Let's Later. go Raptors. See you guys. Can we? We'll do. A, it was nice to see it. We'll do a couple questions and we'll head out. Because um, frankly, uh, to, in my mind, we got another two of these. At least another two of these. Um, how do they? You were talking earlier about like Embiid getting super deep post possession or position early in possessions. How do they keep Embiid out? I think a lot of it is like you just either make your shots or you you know, commit enough people to the offensive glass that Embiid can't get up the floor so quickly and, and basically seal the guy. But uh, what are your thoughts? I, I think you got to use a three-second rule against him uh, because uh, he, he 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 only gets in deep post position if he outruns you in transition. So if you don't, if you don't, if you, if you stick with him in transition, which Precious is more than capable of doing, and I want to talk a little bit more about Precious, to be honest with you, Matt, uh, he, 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 can stay, he can stay out of the paint. And, and also, I think, you also got to notice that when he is when he is deep into the paint, Philly doesn't necessarily have great passers to get him the ball there. They actually mm. struggled. He was in the paint way more than the times he actually received the ball and did something with it. So I think pressuring the guards actually might be sufficient to keep him to to uh, to, to prevent him from getting deep post position because there's only so much pressures can do with his slender figure compared to Embiid. So pressuring the ball in that situation is equally effective than denying Embiid. Yeah, and even more than pressuring the ball, like you can do, I think what the Raptors are doing a little bit of tonight, which is basically like deny the ball for you know from any other guard plus Embiid to force uh, Thibel to make the entry pass or you know another a different non-shooter to make the entry pass. And they, there were a couple moments tonight where like Thibel and Embiid were doing like the uh, you know like the Will Ferrell and Semi Pro like post up, okay, take the ball back, post, you know, like the clip of document. We'll have we'll, we'll run it later, I guess. This is like passing the ball in and out of the post because Thibel was like completely unwilling to take a wide open jump shot so yeah I'm with you a ball pressure and, and force the non-shooters to and, to and, and I also back. loved how you know how we always kind of complained about Fred Van Lee being getting getting shut down by taller uh, mm-hmm. more athletic guys uh if, when he's playing out of position I loved seeing that happening to Maxi, Maxi yeah, yeah. when Siakam he- was guarding him so it feels so good when the shoe's on the other foot and their little quick little point guard is just being neutralized by length. And we've seen that in Boston two years ago. So we're, we're, we're no strangers to that. It's just good to see it happening on the other side. Yeah, VJ. Hey, man, thanks for checking in. I don't know. Is this like a fake account? No, no, that, that's, or, him. that's him. That's, that's him. That's our guy. That's our guy. Hey, that's <laughs> our guy. Nice, nice, nice. Thank you, Thank you for the support, VJ um, Burma. Uh, I, how to handle their zone better. We had turnovers and bricks for a long stretch. Yeah, I actually yeah. had this in my notes. I think that guys need to be more willing to just take shots against the zone. Like Thad had a couple moments where he would be, you know, catch the ball at the three-point arc and, and attack a, you know, semi-closeout and be wide open in the mid-range. He's like, you just got to take that shot. The ball would swing to Scotty at the top of the key. You just have to take that shot. OG yeah. would be like, sometimes it's like, it gets a little weird because guys don't know where people are closing out from in a zone. Like you don't know whether or not someone's going to basically come swat your shot mm-hmm. into like the 10th row Herb Jones style. Um, but th- they were, they were just like 
you know, they were kind of unwilling to shoot and they seemed a little frazzled by it, which is odd. I always find it. It's like if there's a team in the NBA that should be accustomed to playing zone against zone on offense, it should be the Raptors. Because not only um, are you a non-shooting team and you should, you know, you would have seen this a lot in the regular season. You can see that a lot in practice. Nick Nurse is like the dude who brought this back. Surely you know how to attack this, right? Yeah. And and the zone, what the zone does to the Raptors is it 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 almost immediately and I think I don't know if you saw the game on the um I don't know which feed you were watching, but I was watching the uh the NBA TV feed for this one. And they had a pretty long session, you know, about a two minute conversation on the Raptors zone. And I think it was uh, Brendan Haywood, uh, who was the color commentator on the other side. And he, he made a pretty good point is that as soon as the Raptors uh, face a zone, they immediately go into ISO mode. Mm hmm. Like which their is, natural reaction the worst, to zone like, is to be surprised and then try to take one on one. So in and in that period, things don't go well for them unless they're going unless they're playing amazing one on one. But that doesn't happen all the time. So to answer the question, how do you beat the zone? You definitely had to hit your outside shots. But I'll I'll point to game three, I think, in Philly or two, it was uh, where the Raptors did a good job of flashing to the middle. In, in, when when they have a zone, like keeping the middle empty, flashing to it, mm -hmm. and then doing some quick passes around it. So instead of just like try try to beat the zone and one-on-one -on -one and kick it out, like leave the middle open, so clear it out, and then have Siakam or one, one of your better passers flash into the top of the key, hit them, and then they have to make good decisions there. That's the other effective way that, the, that I've seen this year the Raptors beat the zone, other than just bombing from three. Yeah, ab absolutely. Um uh, this is sort of how many hours does Doc sleep tonight? I'm not, I'm not that in tune with the guy's sleep schedule. I would say very few. I, Doc, Doc looked stressed. Yeah. He looked, he, I actually do feel bad for him. Cause it's like, this is, yeah, he's kind of lost the coaching battle, but it's like, you know, he's not forcing, uh, whatever Harris to go six for 16 from the field. He's not forcing Max to go five from four, five for 14 from the field. Like, you know, he's not out there shooting every shot. So I kind of feel bad for doc here. Cause but, it's but, rough. But I also think he's not, he's not really utilizing Embiid as no. well as he can. But Embiid looks a little bit hesitant to actually like fight for deep post position. Part of that is that he's exhausted. Part of that is his hand like probably hurts a lot. And I, I guess a lot of the other part of that is, yeah, Doc has always been too deferential to guys who aren't his best player. Like, you know, he always had those like, you know, hockey substitutions where he'd bring in like five, uh, five bench guys at once instead of just like rolling with one of his two best players and letting that guy have the floor to himself. Like mm -hmm. he's always been that type of player. So I think, you know, maybe he, him empowering Tobias Harris and Tyrese, Maxi over Embiid and Harden, you know, rather than Embiid and Harden worked for him in the first two games, yeah. but it's it's not working now. It's looking pretty yeah. ugly now. And, yeah, and 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 I'm I'm not sure Doc is doing the right thing uh, by not playing. And I hate to say, it, but like Niang more, because when Niang plays, the Raptors do cheat off of him, even though he's hitting his threes. They do sort of leave him a little open. And he seems to be hitting his outside shots. He prefers to give those minutes to Tybal for defensive purposes or Maxi for driving purposes. But I feel Niang spreads the floor a lot for them and has the ability to punish the Raptors for the aggressive double teaming that they do. So it's it, kind of surprising that he's going with a more athletic lineup and not a more shooty lineup, right? So I, it was very, yeah. and played into the Raptors' hands, really. 
Yeah, and, and I think part of like going zone is that you're able to hide a guy like Niang, or, or you know, you can't really hunt a switch. You can't attack a dude like you know you you can in man and man. And Niang is yeah, like I man, dude's got a he's got a podcaster's body. If we're being honest, he's an NBA player. I mean, he's not he's just not up to the athletic standard, which I mean must be frustrating. Um, how do the Sixers adjust? I got to find the question here. Well, I, How I, does I Philly Phoenix, adjust? Uh, Phoenix is making a good point. Yeah, Niang, you can destroy on the pick and roll. Like he's not an actor. Yeah. But guess what, man? The Raptors don't really run a lot of pick and roll. No. So you None can whatsoever. Between taken, and I, I agree with that. But the, the Raptors are not a heavy pick and roll team. They just yeah. are not. But even like a Niang switch, they go at that all day. And the the it it actually isn't that big a problem for the Sixers when Embiid's out there because he just cleans everything up around the rim. It's like okay, whatever you can switch on to Niang and get right by him. I'm you still got one of the best rim protectors in the NBA waiting there. But like you know when he's tired or when it's like the you know Niang's minutes are tied with Paul Reed, which is just like a you know total disgusting move. But if I was a Phillies fan. Did you see Paul Reed like not be ready for the Harden pass underneath yeah. when Harden was yeah. doubled? And he just, I don't know what he was doing. I think that was a moment where the energy sapped out of the building. Yeah, those those Philly fans are not happy right now. And like I was saying, I I don't I can't even remember if you were on the podcast. Like the, that game seven in Philly, if the Raptors win, it's going to be a tense. It's going to be a really tense game. Uh, who knows how much home court advantage matters. Um, how if you're Philly, you're Doc right now. You're on the plane ride. I guess maybe you're not going to Toronto right away, but you're you're on the drive. You're in the limo home after this game. What what's like the first adjustment that comes to mind for me? I think you got to go zone um, uh, until the Raptors are proved basically prove that they can solve it consistently. I would I would probably go zone minute one, especially with when Ken Birch is out there when they the Raptors start starting the game with Ken Birch. I'm going zone minute one. And I'm just like daring the Raptors to beat it because they they haven't really proven that they can. I honestly don't think Doc has too many defensive uh, options to sort of slow down the Raptors. We've seen what it's game. We're heading into game six. At this point, there are no secrets in the series. We know we know where we can win and we know where we can where we can get hurt. Uh, I think Doc should be more worried about his offense more than what he's doing defensively in the zone, because offensively, the Raptors seem to have found. This now that Scotty's back, and also Scotty's making a massive difference in the switchability on the perimeter, mm-hmm. right? You, you, I love that kid, man. That's he's so good. He's uh, we were saying earlier. I'm, there's no one I trust on this team more. That includes like you know the you know ten year NBA vets type thing. Like mm-hmm. there's no one I trust in this team more to make that extra pass, like make one more pass than is necessary to like go from good shot to great shot. It's Scotty more than anyone else in this team. It's Scotty. And, 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 and I'll tell you, I'll, I'll tell you one weapon that we really haven't used as much, like how we saw Siakam go at like their weaker defenders, like in ISO situations in that third quarter. Uh, Scotty had a couple of moments too. He went against Harden a couple times, and then he had this like Tim Duncan type turnaround. Yeah. Off with, the glass. Yeah, which which was like yeah, like about ten feet of the air, like yeah. off of his hand, like ten feet above his body, off the top of the glass. It was that one was crazy. I did not see that going in. I was like almost disgusted at first. This might be it. Yeah, this, this is, is it. it. With, this yeah, is yeah, it. With the okay. So and after this possession, I think that the, the possession, the, the two possessions after this one, he wanted the ball again on the block. And Siakam just missed him and ended up shooting like, I don't, I don't know what he did with it. But Scotty wants the ball and is feeling very confident against pretty much any Philly defender in the block. And 
if 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 the Raptors want to throw another surprise factor at Doc, which he hasn't seen a lot, that might be it. Especially early in games uh, when they have Maxi on him in in transition, because you know Scotty either Scotty was switched on to Maxi or for whatever reason, like you gotta attack Maxi uh, in the post if you have Scotty there. Scotty's a tremendous post player. All the numbers bear out. The eye test bears out. Like he, it's he's basically as proven as you can be as a post player. And uh, he needs touches. And if you have a dude who's like, uh, you know, in contention for being the skinniest uh, player in the NBA in Maxi, like, you know, the slightest of frame, uh, you got to go after him in the post. So, And, and this, how does Philly adjust, man? I, I think what can they do? They, they can, they know that we don't have great answers for Embiid. Uh, so they probably will try to establish him and just milk the hell out of him because when, once desperation times hit, you try to go for the sure thing over and over again. So I expect to see a lot of Embiid, not just in, in in spurts in the first or spurts in the third, but really throughout the game. And what I also noticed, the Raptors got him in foul trouble. Siakam, when he was mm-hmm. operating on the perimeter and drove, I think Embiid picked up two fouls against that thing. And, and maybe not fouls directly against Siakam, but fouls off after Siakam makes the initial drive and pass, Embiid is picking up fouls. That's something new. That hasn't happened in this series. He had five fouls in this game. So maybe that's something the Raptors can build on if if if, if Doc throws some sort of a counterpunch. Yeah, and they, they actually, that enabled later in the game Achua to go after Embiid really aggressively because Embiid basically couldn't, uh, you know, make good contests at the rim because he's afraid of picking up his fourth, fifth, or, and maybe even sixth foul. So, yeah, I, like I said, you know, last win, this win, this is the formula. It's not like the Raptors got crazy hot. It's just they're outplaying the 76 or so. Um, is there anything else we should touch on? It, guys, okay. I know I said uh I know I said the Sixers or sorry, I know I said the, the Nets would win in six games against Boston. It was wrong. Everything I've, I've predicted has been wrong thus far. Can, but, can we talk Ben Simmons a little bit? Uh, yeah, I was going to say, just, uh, just qu- quickly, I do want to say that we are sponsored by the score bet. Um, uh, the link is in the description. Let them know we sent you over. It's it's in the description on YouTube. It'll be, I believe, in the description of the podcast feed, wherever. Um, yeah, and, and you know, sign up if you haven't seen them uh, yet. I, I don't know what you're doing. Maybe you're not watching TV because they're all over TV. Sorry? Oh, the, oh, OG said, like, get the ball to Siakam and get out of the way. Um so maybe that's something to bet on. The Siakam over yeah. points next game. Take a look at that. The, his teammates are helping him up. Maybe uh, maybe check that out. Score bet. Um, totally agree on this quote, man. And, you know, yeah. again, I, I was I, I felt so horrible after game three because I was tasked with a stupid quick reaction on the site. Yeah, and I was going like, to ask, what did Nick Nurse get in game three? After not he got putting like a, a C minus. C minus after yeah, no no one on the inbounder. I yeah, figured no, you no one on the harsher. inbounder just bugged the hell out of me. And this is this is like you know I don't know who if our audience is old enough to uh, remember this, but do you know where this quote originates from? Like this, give him the ball and get out of the way. Kyle, is it, Kyle, is it an MJ anybody? thing? I don't. Is it an MJ thing? No. Who's g- 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 somebody should know. One of our three hundred plus viewers must know where this quote originates from. No. If it's not MJ, is it Larry Bird? I'm, I'm... It, it, it is MJ, but it is Doug Collins. Wow. Who, who had this quote after game five of uh, Bulls versus Cleveland, I think in 1989 or 8088, when Jordan hit that like shot over Craig Elo and like swore at the press row in the post game press conference. 
Uh, Doug Collins goes, what was the, they asked him, hey, what was the plan? And he goes, give the ball to MJ and get the fuck out of the way. I swore again. I got to bleep that out. Um, and then Doug Collins basically got fired for that quote because uh, they discovered, well, that's a strategy against Jordan. That's not going to work. So 100% agree on this quote. Yeah, absolutely. I, You know, we'll have to see how game five goes, but as of right now, especially when, you know, if they're going to get into like a heavy ISO offense anyway, um, it's got to be Siakam or a huge mismatch in the post. I don't want to see anything else if you're doing ISO stuff. I still believe they should try to run pick and roll and try to run actual sets. And Gary, by the way, has been a tremendous passer to the pick and roll in these past couple games, which has been an underrated development of his. But Gary um, had two very, very nice uh, inter exchanges with Precious. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Three, I think. Precious, yeah. I think, missed two of the shots, but he made one. So Gary and Precious have something going where if, if they go in a sort of a, not a pick and roll, but more like pick and Gary drives and punches it back out to Precious, who's on mm-hmm. the wing, that might be a play you may want to run at, 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 to sort of surprise Philly. It, it, it works. It's in the back pocket. Philly has a tendency to go towards the ball handler, and they still don't really respect Precious' outside game much. So that shot is available there in a pinch if you need it. Okay. Maybe maybe they'll go to that. Maybe they'll go to that in a big moment. I'm with you. I think it's almost always open um, because part of the reason is that Gary is not expected to pass that. Part of the reason is that Achua still, despite being a tremendous shooter, doesn't really get closed out on that aggressively. Doesn't... Um, you know, actually doesn't get that much respect as a shooter. Look, yeah. either way, 3-2 series, 3-2 series, no one's ever come back from 3-0. Few people have come back from 3-1. A lot of people have come back from 3-2. So guess what? Here we go. Um, Who's Taxman? We already did Taxman. It was it was, uh, it was Siakam, I believe. Well, Siakam. That's why VJ was in there. Yeah, this is the clip I was talking about. This is uh, Embiid and... And Thibault tonight, we, <laughs> interesting angle, but it was just essentially them passing back and forth. <laughs> <laughs> just, like, <laughs> just sort of like, oh, oh, it's not the right shot. Okay, get it back. Up. That's just sort of what I was what I was envisioning, which is like, this is a classic com- comedy basketball uh, gif. Anyway, guys, All right, let's get back in Toronto, 3-2. Um, you want to you give a prediction or do you not want to curse anything? I mean, yeah, I'll get a prediction. Sure, I think the Raps are going to win Game Six, man. Uh, I do too. I do too. And by the way, I was right about Game Five. So, I although after being wrong about everything else, I was right about Game. Here's five. a better and question: Do you want Fred to be healthy for Game Six? If Nurse has the type of relationship with Fred where he can say, like, "You need to be on the bench. You need to do this. You need to you need to play this way," then yes. Otherwise. These guys are rolling right now. They're rolling, and it looks good. So, I don't know. I yes, I'd like him to be healthy. It'd be stupid to say I don't want this good player out here, but I, I do have to. I do have to, uh, you know, qualify that statement with like they have to keep playing the way they are. I think he should come off the bench, honestly. So, I I, I think I, I think they should do um, uh, a Fred intro uh, with shades of uh, Willis Reed. Was it Willis Reed, the New York Knicks? Way back, he came in to play the first five minutes of the game, gave the whole arena a bump. That was the year the Knicks won the championship. 71, I, I think it was, or around the 70, 71 maybe. Uh, so I think Fred is your uh, is your Willis Reed for game six. Okay. All right. Uh, that's That's been myself. Aiden was around. Chris, thank you for producing. 
Zarar, thank you for <laughs> like stopping in for the last coming portion. In, coming in. Um, yeah, it's been myself, Kyle Brickman. This is the wrap up. Um, don't forget to like the video again, guys. Costs you nothing. Doesn't doesn't cost you anything, and it it uh, it does actually support us more than you might think. And and, and we gotta um, pay for Aiden's new mic. It's like we gotta pay for Aiden's new mic. We'll be paying that down with on the YouTube. We'll be paying that down for the next ten years. <laughs> so, um, thanks again, everyone, and um, yeah, we'll uh, we'll see you all soon.